Hello and welcome to the Donuts and Dumbbells podcast. I'm super excited that you're here with me today because I have an amazing guest. Her name is Brooks Herbis and she is fantastic at giving simple and effective fitness and nutrition tips that will help you reach your goals. So go ahead and grab a cup of hot or iced coffee, a protein shake, go on a walk, and we will talk to you soon. Hello, I have here Brooks Herbis with me, and she is Sweat Simple on Instagram, TikTok, and I think all of her other platforms, but I want to give her a second to introduce herself. So Brooks, where are you from? How did you get here? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm Sweat Simple on all platforms, as Brooks said, um, but Grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, went to school actually at Miami of Ohio, so kind of bounced all over the Midwest and then uh, now live in Denver. Um, and yeah, that's me. And you do fitness and nutrition coaching, correct? Yep. So all online, I work with clients um, all over the world, which is probably my favorite part of my job that I can connect with people everywhere. Um, but yeah, fitness um, and nutrition. And one thing that I absolutely love about Brooks, this is going to get confusing because we have a Brooke and a Brooke. <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> like to introduce me, I'm like, oh, it feels weird to say my own name, kind of. <laughs> um, yeah. But one thing that I love that made Brooks really stand out is her ability to really simplify fitness. So if you're just beginning your fitness journey, I wanted to have her on my podcast so we can give you some really good like effective and simple tips, even though simple does not mean easy um, by any means, simple is not easy. It's just the concepts that you put into practice. So Brooks, can you tell us a little bit about your own fitness journey? Yeah. So the whole reason that I wanted to make my brand sweat simple and keep everything super simple is really because of my own journey and how much I struggled. Uh, so I was a dancer all growing up, um, so was active, but never really learned, you know, formal exercise, um, definitely learned nothing in terms of nutrition, got to college, um, I started taking group fitness classes, um, so that's really where I did fall in love with, like, working out, but still had no idea what to do on the nutrition side of things, but luckily I was at a point where I was always really comfortable with my weight, um, but then junior year, I studied abroad in Europe for a semester, had no access to exercise, um, also lived off like cheese and bread. So I gained um, quite a bit amount of weight, um, like 30, 40 pounds, and I'm 5'3". Uh, so came back and was feeling really uncomfortable in my body, but I had no idea how to even begin going back to a weight that I was comfortable at. Um, so honestly, for the next like four years, I kind of yo-yo dieted and I tried everything. I was exercising for like two hours a day. I cut out sugar. I thought I had a gluten sensitivity. Um, you know, I, every Monday I was starting over and then every Friday I was eating whatever I wanted Friday through Sunday. So just pretty much every bad diet you could think of, I did. Um, and, but then I, I did start teaching group fitness again, because the whole time I was still working out, I still really loved it. Um, so I became a group fitness instructor. Um, and through that, I started to 
kind of connect with people who were more educated in terms of nutrition. So, you know, rather than just following women's health random articles, I started to follow people who were more science-based. Um, and that's when I really started to learn, you know, that the simple habits that actually worked instead of just restriction. Um, so when it came time to renew my group fitness certification, I decided to renew um, and become a full-on personal trainer. Um, and then from there, I got my nutrition certification. Um, and yeah, now I'm just on a mission to make it simple and approachable so that people just get started. I love that because I feel like there are so many people that have the same story or a similar story where they're exercising and they think that exercise is the answer. When in reality, nutrition is like the driver and exercise is the passenger. And one thing that I tell people is, and I'm sure you tell people is like, we don't exercise to burn calories. We exercise to be strong and to see what our body is capable of. But I think that every, there are so many people that walk such a similar path. I I did the same thing. I thought, oh, I can eat whatever I want if I exercise. And there is that, that saying that's around that you can't exercise or you can't out train a bad diet which I, I mean, using terms of good and bad are also kind of, you know, walk a fine line, but I think it's so um, easy for people to get caught up in the exercise is the, is the answer. And so when you were mentioning, like you were studying abroad and you were eating all this food, but then you didn't have exercise. And then the first thing you did coming back is start exercising. It's really tough because I don't feel like we are taught here how to actually develop like good sound nutritional habits or exercise habits or exercise is used as a punishment for food. And so I think that people have a very similar story to you, like a lot of people, myself included. I thought that it was like, I had to eliminate um, processed food. I had to eliminate alcohol. I had to, which I mean, now I permanently eliminate because I'm sober, but um, having to eliminate things like, you know, cookies and candy and you know, people forget that they're always like anytime foods and sometimes foods. So I think it's really amazing that you're here and able to share that because I feel like a lot of people think it's a them problem and not like a, a very broad issue that a lot of people deal with. Yeah. I, I'm honestly, a lot of times when clients come to me and you know, our first couple conversations um, before they apply for coaching or just them telling me about themselves and their own fitness journey. And I'd say like seven out of 10 times, it's super similar to what I went through and what it sounds like you went through, you know, a lot of yo-yo dieting, a lot of foods being good and bad. Um, so I definitely think that's why I became a coach is because I'm, I just remember feeling so confused and so frustrated because there were so many different messages that I was hearing, whether it was like, sugar's terrible, don't have sugar. Oh, but you also like, shouldn't be eating breakfast. Oh, but if you do eat breakfast, you should have this very specific thing. And I was just like, how the hell am I supposed to even know what's right and what's wrong if every single source of information is telling me something different? So I was, I just like sick of feeling confused. And I was like, okay, if I went through this, I bet other people went through this. So how can I help them? I absolutely agree. Cause that's my, like a very similar reason. Like once I started helping myself and realizing, oh, wait, this really isn't as complicated as people make it out to be. I love that you'd mentioned the women's health magazine articles because 
people don't understand how biased those articles can be too. Like very biased or just flat out missing, like just flat out misinformation. So, I mean, we've gone through so many times of fat is bad, carbs are bad, meat is bad. Like next air is going to be bad. Like I just, there's, there's no, all foods fit guys, all foods fit. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever did this, but I feel like I would like get the women's health and I would immediately flip to like, they always had some sort of like ab circuit and I would like immediately flip to it. And I would be like, this is it. This is the ticket. Like, this is how I'm getting a six pack. And I would do it for like two days, completely forget about it. And now I look at those and I'm like, those aren't even effective core exercises. <laughs> I did it for like two days. And I'm like, I don't have abs. What is this bullshit? <laughs> yeah. Already immediately just over it. Like, <laughs> It's so funny. Cause like I, I vividly remember myself doing that, like in a Walmart, first of all, I was at Walmart and looking at fitness advice. That was my first problem. And then. <laughs> second I remember like flipping open the page and just seeing like this ab circuit and I'm like this is it I'm gonna do this and I did it for I think like two weeks and I'm like what the heck I don't have abs like they also don't need you patience either I think that's something a lot of people don't understand is this takes a lot of time like and when it comes down to like simple is not easy it's also not fast like simple does not mean that it's gonna happen quickly yeah. And like, I would almost say that part of what makes the simple not easy is having that patience. Um, because especially a lot of the quick fixes marketed out there, like whole 30 would be a great example. Like it very, it says it in the name, like you're, and I know whole 30 is technically not for weight loss. Um, but you know, like a lot of these programs are promoting results in 30 days. Um, so, you know, when people, finally find a sustainable method and they're not seeing, you know, they're not dropping five pounds in a week. They're like, okay, well, this isn't working either. Um, when in reality, they just like really need to give it more time. Um, and also like take emphasis away from the scale. Like, do you have more energy? Do your clothes fit better? Are your measurements changing? Like, it's not just about what the scale is doing. That's just like one really small piece of the big picture. I couldn't agree more. I have that happen all the time. I I've had clients where it's been just a couple of weeks and they're like, I'm not seeing any changes. I'm like, well, your numbers are going up in the gym. You are having a fantastic, you're doing a fantastic job at consistently tracking nutrition, whether it be in my fitness pal or a food logging, like a photo app and things like that. And it's like, there are so many different ways to see progress that have nothing to do with the scale. And like you said, although like whole 30 and paleo and those types of diets that promote that quote unquote, clean eating, they don't technically say this is for weight loss. So many people use it as a method to lose weight quickly and don't realize that that five, 10, sometimes 15 pounds isn't body fat. Like it's, it's not body fat. A lot of it's water. And I, that's the one thing I love about your content is you make everything so digestible for people. Yeah. And it's, I actually made a TikTok about this the other day because I've noticed like people are so quick to cancel out all of the progress that they were really excited about as soon as the scale isn't doing what they want. Uh, you know, like what you just said, like people will be crushing it in the gym. They'll be super consistent. They'll be like super pumped because their jeans are fitting better. And then they hop on the scale, even just like one day and they see that it's up and it's just this immediate, like, 
crash like oh my god I failed like okay what am I doing wrong and it's like you just did a million things right that you were super excited about why are you letting this number on this plastic box like completely cancel out all of that progress um but it's like a really tough mindset to get out of because you know I get it I used to be super emotionally attached to the scale too but that's one of the big things that I try and focus on is like celebrate your wins and don't just focus on like one small piece of the puzzle. I could not have said it better myself. I've dealt with the same thing with clients who just start working with me. And it's usually after the first four to eight weeks is when people are like, I'm not seeing as much progress as I think I should. So that's something I think if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling that same way and you're in the very beginning phases of your journey, just know that those feelings are also normal and valid. We are in this society that are that is taught that, you know, you should be a certain number on the scale when in reality, like that number does not dictate like anything about who you are as a person or like Brooks had said, like any of the progress that you've made so far. It is such a huge accomplishment to get your first push up or to just start walking for 30 minutes, three times a week, even if it's something small. So what would you say is your number one beginner fitness tip if somebody wants to get started today, but have no idea how? Oh, great question. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I am going to say walking like if you're currently not doing anything and you're just trying to get started with taking some sort of action um, because that really is the number one most important step is to actually just get started and start taking action I think walking is a fantastic place to start Um, if you can do 30 minutes three times a week that's amazing if you want to start with 10 minutes every other day that's great too, but it's truly just about starting to take action. Uh, And if you do feel ready to add something on the nutrition side of things too, uh, I would start tracking your food. Like you don't even have to start with a calorie deficit. I would just start writing down what you're eating. You don't even have to use an app, but just starting to be mindful of, you know, what your portion sizes actually look like on a daily basis. And Um, you know, just recording it makes you more aware of like the choices you're making. So walking and then, yeah, just recording your food in some capacity. Yeah, I could not agree more. I know that sometimes we have this really, really like grandiose idea that we need to be working out five days a week for at least an hour And we put so much on our plates in the very beginning that it's almost really difficult for us to digest. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. uh, So that's one of the reasons that I used to fail too, is I always thought that more was better, whether it was more exercise or more restriction. Uh, That was always my immediate go-to was like, how much can I add or how much can I take away? Uh, So what would happen is I would be, you know, on this journey to be absolutely perfect. Uh, So I would, you know, crush it Monday through Friday. And then that weekend would come around and I was really sick of how restrictive I was being. Um, I also did not want to continue doing like two hour a day workouts. Uh, So because I had done too much or cut out too much, I would just completely throw it out the window because I was like, if I'm not being perfect with this, why am I doing it at all? And then I would just start again on Monday, um, which is, I think, a trap that a lot of people get in is really that like 
all or nothing mentality. So what I would encourage you to do instead is like find something that's truly manageable. Like if you're currently working out zero days a week, don't say you're going to start doing cardio every single day for an hour. (laughs) See if you can do three sessions of those walks like we just talked about, Uh, but set goals that are realistic and maintainable, not just for five days, but think about yourself like five months from now. Like, do you see yourself still doing those things? Absolutely. And I think one thing that I all, I like to tell my clients is I want you to think of the easiest thing you can do right now. And I've had one person go, Oh, well I can drink more water. It's free. Like something that simple. Oh, I can go to bed an hour earlier each night. Simple. And again, like in practice, those things are much more challenging that we, than we give them credit for, but simple in the concept of, Oh, why didn't I think of that? Like, Oh yeah. You know, if I'm only getting six hours of sleep every night and then I'm feeling tired throughout the day and then I'm too tired to make dinner, maybe I should go to bed an hour earlier. And sometimes that's really difficult if you worked a full day and you get home and you're like, man, I really want to watch that extra episode of the show that I'm binge watching. And it can be hard to actually turn off the TV, but in the long run, those small habits that you build, just build on top of each other. And And it's, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Please go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say those simple things that you just mentioned are what's actually building a lifestyle, you know, like these are the things that you're going to continue to build on and continue forever, as opposed to, you know, thinking you're realistically going to cut out bread for the rest of your life. Like, no, you can't really build a lifestyle around that, obviously, unless you have an allergy. Um, but you can build a lifestyle around, yeah, getting seven hours of sleep and drinking more water. And it's those like simple things that you keep doing every single day. Yeah. And that you can fall back. I think a lot of people underestimate, like you had mentioned earlier, like, you know, you would go Monday through Friday and it's like, people are quote unquote, good Monday through Friday. And then the weekend comes and it's like, oh, okay, now I get to make up for everything that I didn't get to have Monday through Friday. And they think, oh, it's only the weekend. When you made a post, I think it was last week where it's like the weekend is 43% of your week. Yeah. People underestimate like how much they're either like overdoing it when it comes to alcohol or when, you know, you're not tracking nutrition for those three days when maybe let's say you usually track nutrition. It's, it's really crazy what those three days can do. Yeah. And a great way to start combating that, like, you know, cause I, like I said, weekends were a big issue for me. It was, I would get off work on Friday. I would immediately, honestly, it would typically start Thursday night with some sort of like happy hour. And then Friday, I would be going out and then Saturday I would wake up. Okay. Time for brunch. And then, you know, go out in the afternoon. And it was just this like endless cycle. So, and rather than saying like, okay, I'm staying in this weekend, I'm not doing anything. Start slowly chipping away at those events. So, you know, instead of doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday drinks, could you only commit to Friday, Saturday, or if you're eating every single meal out on Saturday, could you at least make breakfast at home? Like 
start small and start with one change for the weekend. And then you can add to that over time. I love that you just said make breakfast at home on Saturday, because I was having a conversation with one of my online coaching clients yesterday about this, which is perfect timing. And this is the person that, you know, she is just number one, killing it in the gym. She's made so much progress. I have to do a quick brag on her just for a second, but absolutely killing it. And one thing that we troubleshooted was, you know, Saturdays can be a little bit difficult. They've got, you know, her and her husband have a lot going on. And one thing I asked is, well, what's one small thing we can incorporate when it comes to nutrition? And we were, as we were talking it out, it's, Hey, let's start the day with a high protein breakfast on Saturday and then see how the day pans out. Cause I know for my own personal experience, the second I started doing that, it was such a game changer. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to make breakfast at home. It's, oh, I'm going to make breakfast at home. And then I'm going to go, and this is just my own personal schedule. I go and I do a little bit of my cardio, you know, whether it's just a walk around the neighborhood, I come home and then a few hours later, I'll make my lunch. And that can be something as simple as just a salad kit with some, you know, leftover chicken from, or meat from the night before. So those kind of build on top of each other as well, the more you put those into your routine. So I love that I was just having this discussion and you and I are pretty much on the same page when it comes to like the little things that we implement that are simple and effective. And so things like walking, things like, you know, implementing maybe a high protein breakfast on Saturday, starting with those small things that you can change will really, really benefit and pay off in the long term because it's those habits you always have to fall back on. Yeah. It's funny. You should bring up those salad kits because that's actually what made me start eating out less on the weekends. Uh, because I would always wait to grocery shop until Sunday. And I always felt like I had no food in the house. Um, but this was like when I was working in an office, so I would always meal prep my lunches like Monday through Friday, but then I would have nothing for the weekend. So I started going to the grocery store just like Friday after work. And I would just pick up one of those salad kits for Saturday and Sunday lunches. And all of a sudden I was eating at home instead of just like ordering takeout or something, because I, I just didn't want to cook a full meal, but with a salad kit, you don't have to, you just like mix everything together. So just like finding those, those little things can make such a difference. The little nuggets, I like to call them little nuggets that you can, well, not actual chicken nuggets, even though those are good. <laughs> those so good on the salad kits. <laughs> That's the hardest part. Oh gosh. On the salad kit. I didn't even think think of that. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, the, cause you like the Taylor farms brand, right? Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. The dill pickle salad kit with the chicken tenders on top. So good. (laughs) I have the dill pickle salad kit in my fridge as we're speaking. And I actually plan on eating that after this podcast. So it's funny that you mentioned that because with an almost nine-year-old in my house, there's always chicken nuggets on hand. So there you go. Lunch. <laughs> Lunch is done. <laughs> sweat simple. <laughs> yeah. um, but things even like if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh man, I just don't want a salad. Like sandwiches are also fantastic. That's something that I always recommend to some of my clients. And I remember the first time I recommended like packing sandwiches for lunch to one of my clients, they're like, 
wait, I can have sandwiches. I'm like, well, why couldn't you have sandwiches? You can load those bitches up with like lettuce and turkey and tomato and onion, whatever you want on it. So it's all about like, you don't have to have this elaborate gourmet cooking nutrition masterpiece every single meal. You can make it as simple or as complicated as you like. What is your favorite go-to quick and easy recipe? Ooh, um, probably like some version of just like a big skillet. Um, like I'm a big fan of the build a plate method, um, especially cause I'm in maintenance. So I don't really count calories right now. So it does a really good job of just making sure I'm like always consciously building a balanced plate. So I always try and do, um, like fistful of carbs, palm size serving of protein, half a plate of veggies, and then a thumb size serving of fats. Uh, so skillets are a super easy way to do that. So I love doing um, like orzo for my carb and then picking some sort of veggie like Brussels sprouts and then um, chicken sausage for my protein. And then either adding like pesto or like maybe like some olive oil and some spices. Um, but it comes together in like under 20 minutes and it's super simple, super good. Oh, that sounds delicious. I am such a huge nerd for like crock pot chicken. I oh, yes. crock pot chicken. I had people vote on my Instagram story if I, if I should do Buffalo chicken or salsa verde. And so I did Buffalo chicken. And then the next day, my fiance was like, I want salsa verde chicken. So we had, <laughs> I'm like, what a coincidence. Um, but those are also really easy meal prep, like really easy things that you can have on hand. It's quick and it's easy because one thing I I'm sure that you get this with your clients is I get a lot of people that they want to meal prep, but in their minds, they create meal prep as this daunting task where it's going to take like an entire day to make all of these meals. And I have to explain to people like you only need to make one thing. It's very easy to find fats and carbs to go with things. A lot harder to build your meals around protein. So focusing on building your meals around protein first, I always that's always my go-to piece of advice. And so using the crock pot or an instant pot, any type of, you know, batch cooking method for protein is like one of my biggest pieces of advice. How about you? Yeah, I would agree with that because like you said, I feel like the phrase meal prep feels intimidating to people. But if you say just prep some protein in bulk, that feels a lot more manageable because it feels like just one thing. So yeah, tossing chicken in the crock pot with like some buffalo sauce and even like Greek yogurt. So good. Um, I really have been, I've been prepping my breakfast um, for the week, which sets everything off for me. but like sometimes I'll do like, I will do like a longer breakfast meal prep where I'll make like 24 breakfast sandwiches and then I'll just like freeze them for the month. Um, so if you do want to start prepping more than just protein, um, you could do stuff like that where you just prep like one day out of the month and then like freeze stuff and then you have it. Um, but yeah, meal prep, I meal prepped in 20 minutes this past weekend. Like it does not have to be this full day excursion. Um, just find like one meal for the week to do. Yeah. And another simple and easy tip I have for people who are thinking about meal prep, like I make a turkey chili that I really, really love. And people have told me, I don't like cutting all the vegetables, like chopping onions, chopping peppers. So one of my favorite tips that I like to give people that's very simple is buy things that are frozen and pre-cut. I am like 
craziest person when it comes to preparing meals, like frozen everything. I will get frozen chicken breasts. And then the day before I need to cook them, I will just thaw them in the fridge or if they're not completely thawed in like a sink full of cool water. And then I have my frozen onions, my frozen bell peppers, frozen corn, if I'm using corn and I just throw it in the skillet and it cooks beautifully. And a lot of the time frozen vegetables are frozen at the peak of ripeness. So you're still getting all of those good nutrients that you would benefit from fresh produce anyway. Yeah. I think people really overlook frozen foods. Um, I don't know why, but I think people just tend to not think about them when it comes to, you know, quote unquote, eating healthy. Um, but I actually would encourage everyone to keep a frozen protein and a frozen vegetable vegetable, um, always in your freezer, because there are going to be those days where dinner doesn't go as planned, or you just like really don't feel like cooking what you prepared. So I call them like emergency meals. And it's basically things that you can cook up within, you know, 10 minutes rather than ordering takeout. So, you know, like you said, great example, frozen peppers and frozen chicken breasts, like that can come together really easily. And you can just always have that on your freezer for those like, uh oh, didn't plan super well moments. Yeah. And it's really, especially for parents listening to this podcast, I think as a parent myself, it is very, very challenging when like you're tired at the end of the day and you're like, oh man, I don't feel like cooking. It's going to take an hour to cook dinner. When in reality, like there are some things that I can whip up in 15, 20 minutes. I mean, I think last night I just whipped up tacos really fast. I had some thawed ground Turkey and I'm like, I have tortillas and cheese and all that good stuff. And so it's really about when you're making things simple, it's also about them being effective, having things that are effective that you can fall back on. And I call, you call them emergency meals and I call them fallback foods. So it's kind of the same concept. If you always have like a frozen veggie that you can pop in, even if it's like the steam fresh, you know, they're like, like sauced veggies who cares? It's still vegetables, like throw it in there and get your greens in. You're going to feel much better about that decision of rather than just going and ordering a pizza. And what can typically happen is I've had people where they'll order a pizza and they're like, Oh man, I feel really guilty about ordering that pizza. Fuck it. I already ruined it. So I'm also going to have this and then it turns into a cycle. So learning how to avoid that cycle and also learning how to be gracious with yourself if that does happen is very important. Um, but simple, again, I've said it multiple times, like simple doesn't mean easy, but simple is effective. So effective is one of these words that I like to use with my clients because a lot of people always tell me like, oh, this isn't working. So this isn't working. Like I really, really want to make my whole plan come together. I want my plan to be effective. So one thing that I like to tell people is what's going to make it effective is consistency. It cannot work if you don't. And that's something like if you're a beginner listening to this, I really want to drive home because I've caught myself using the word effective a lot. And people, I don't think always understand what the word effective really means when in terms of your goals, because of course the process is very like, it can be very daunting in the beginning when you're like, man, I'm trying to make all of these lifestyle changes, but you can't make the changes if you're not being consistent. So do you have any simple tips for people when it comes to consistency? Ooh, simple tips. Um, yeah. So when it comes to like 
the, I have a couple. Um, so I actually also say that consistency is kind of that secret pill that everyone is looking for. Um, you know, you can have the perfect pro program, but if you don't actually do it and do it consistently, you're not going to see the results. Um, but on the workout side of things, these both involve uh, planning. So I think that planning is kind of the key to being consistent. And if you are immediately like, uh oh, I'm not a planner, I'm going to fail at this. A lot of my clients weren't planners at all. Um, and they maybe still aren't, but they've learned how to plan in a way that works for them and is effective for them. Um, and that feels manageable so that they can be more consistent. So on the workout side of things, scheduling your workouts and treating it like a meeting, um, you know, not relying on like motivation, just telling yourself like, okay, if this was a meeting on my work calendar, I would show up even when I don't feel like it. So I'm going to treat my workout in the same way. And then on the nutrition side of things, if you're calorie counting pre-log like full days or full weeks of eating. And if that feels like a lot of effort, then just take that week that you just logged and eat it again in two weeks. Um, like I know some people don't like eating the same foods, but if you're struggling with consistency, eating the same foods is a really simple way to make, to be more consistent because you're not reinventing the wheel every week. You're just doing something that you already did really successfully. So planning is kind of the key uh, for me to be more consistent. I agree. I think it's very important to have a plan going into it. And simple is also not effortless. Creating yeah. sustainable habits for the long term isn't effortless. I mean, we, you and I have been doing this for years and to say that it doesn't require effort would be lying. Like even when you are more advanced and you know this and you have all of the tools in your toolbox, you still have to apply effort, even if it's simple. Like I don't always want to go to the gym. I'm sure you don't always want to go to the gym, but like focusing on the feeling you're going to have afterwards and knowing like, yeah, I might not want to go to the gym, but I do things that I don't want to do every day. Like when my alarm clock goes off and I have to get up and get my little guy ready for school. <laughs> yeah. I, I think people kind of forget that part of the equation. Like they forget that they still have to put in the effort and the work and that, yeah, it gets easier over time, but it still requires that effort. Like one of my non-negotiables is when we're coming home from a trip, I always make sure that we have groceries in the fridge. So I take the time still to plan out the meals and then I order them for like grocery pickup or whatever that looks like. And no, do I want to be sitting there building my grocery car at the airport Sunday afternoon when I'm exhausted after being at a wedding all weekend? No, but I know that I need to do that in order to like set myself up for success for the week. So I put in that little bit of extra effort uh, to allow myself to be more consistent. I love that because it's such a good way, like, especially when you're explaining when you're at the airport and you're, you're putting the stuff in your grocery cart to be picked up. Like it doesn't seem like that's going to be doing much, but in the long run, you're, you're not focusing on the inconvenience that it's causing you while you're sitting in the airport, like adding things to your cart, you're looking at how is this going to affect me long-term? And I think ultimately that's what we want for our clients. We don't want our clients to focus on like the short-term inconvenience. We want them to focus on the long-term success that it's going to teach them because I don't like waking up Sunday morning and I send my client check-ins. I'm like, oh man, I have to go like tackle Costco and go to the grocery stores. But 
I know that that's going to set me up for success throughout the week. I'm not going to have to stop and, you know, get takeout because I failed to plan. Like, I think that people underestimate the power of planning. And like you had said, like, there are some people that just don't plan. Like they like to fly by the seat of their pants. And I was that person. And what I realized is I really like the routine and rigidity of planning and knowing what to like, what's to come and what I'm going to eat and what my week is going to look like. And I think there's a lot of power in that. And it, it does require that, that effort, but it doesn't have to be like, what, the more you do it, the easier it gets over time, but it's never going to be effortless. Is the yeah, not saying that? <laughs> no, and I'm glad you said that because I, I am definitely a natural planner. Like I've always been a planner, um, but I've also just seen my clients who are able to plan are just able to be so much more consistent and so much more successful. Uh, and then I do have clients like yourself who it doesn't come naturally to them, but once they get in that habit of doing it, they're now doing it even in like other areas of their life. Um, so it is nice to hear that perspective too, where like, even if you're not a natural planner, you can still put in the effort and you can still plan. And it's just a habit that needs to be developed. But again, it kind of circles back to like, you can't develop that habit unless you're consistent with that habit and you do it for a while. And when you're new to your fitness journey, it takes time to build that consistency. I mean, I always tell people when they first decide to sign up for training, like you, I highly, highly encourage people to give it a minimum of 12 weeks, like a minimum of three months to see progress because it takes a little while to learn how to be consistent. And it can sometimes feel like a roller coaster when it's day to day. But once you get to the end of that 12 weeks and you see how far you've come and you're like, wow, I went from, you know, eating takeout every day to now I rarely eat takeout and now I'm planning my meals. And that in itself is such a huge form of progress that I think a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit for yeah. And I can start seeing that come through in some of my client check-ins. Um, like I have one question specifically that asks about, you know, like hurdles in the upcoming weeks that might prevent them from hitting their goals. Uh, you know, typically it's like social events and, you know, their first month they're like in panic mode. They're like, oh my gosh, I have like a dinner and I don't know what to do. And then yeah, by month two and month three, they're filling out. They're like, okay, well I have a dinner, but I actually already set these bright lines and I have my dinner pre-logged. And it's like, ah, it's like that aha moment. Like, okay, they figured it out. They know what works for them and they're already doing it on their own. And they've like truly built that habit and lifestyle. And it takes a lot of stress off of them as well. When they understand like, oh wait, I have control of the situation. The situation doesn't control me or the event doesn't control me. I don't have to you know, go overboard with drinks or anything like that, because I've set those bright lines. And I love that you call them bright lines because I call them bright lines with my clients as well. And, um, I know that I'd mentioned earlier, like I don't drink, but what is a simple tip that you like to use? Cause I just gave this one to one of my clients. Um, when it comes to, you know, handling social events where, you know, it's very, very easy to drink your calories. Like one thing or one tip that I gave a client is for every glass of wine, have like a sparkling water in between. Do you have anything similar to that? Yeah. So that's actually like one of my personal rules, um, and highly recommend because I very rarely get hungover. So always have 
some of my friends used to call it um, the Brooks method because I always have a glass of water with my drink. Um, but another one is just decide the number of drinks that you're comfortable with um, and set that bright line in advance. So go into the night and say, okay, I'm gonna have two margaritas or okay, I'm gonna have three glasses of wine. And if you do that in advance, you're gonna be much more likely to actually stick to that number. And even going further than that, you could pre-log it in your tracking app and then you know build your meal and everything else around it. That way you're like, okay, I already decided this and you're less tempted in the moment to be like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll have a fourth drink, I'll have a fifth drink. Um, so yeah, just deciding in advance, like if everything went as planned, it, how would you wake up in the morning and say, okay, yeah, I absolutely crushed last night. Like, what would you eat? How many drinks would you have had? I love that. And one thing that I would love to ask is what would your tip, cause I know we both mentioned tracking. And as soon as you said like, oh, you can like pre-track your alcohol. What would your advice be for someone who doesn't track calories? Uh, yeah. So if you're using like the build a plate method, so if you're not counting calories, I do highly recommend using that, um, just to kind of, you know, help you stay balanced. Um, and you can swap out your drink for a carb that night. Um, definitely don't recommend doing that on like a regular basis because you want to be eating real food. You want to be eating, you know, actual carbs. Um, but that's how I would approach it then. Um, or again, you can set those same bright lines um, without tracking and without counting. And you're still going to stay more balanced than if you just like went into it with a completely blank slate. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of people that get really nervous when it comes to tracking. So do you have any like tidbits of wisdom, uh, like simple tips for people who don't want to, or they're not in the, they don't have the mental capacity to track, whether it be, you know, a negative experience with tracking, whether it be just, you know, having that fear or anxiety around tracking. Do you have any simple tips when it comes to nutrition for people who are not tracking calories? This is perfect. Cause I just wrote an article about this. So it's all fresh in my mind. <laughs> um, but number one, um, you've heard myself talk about it. Cause I use this personally, um, cause I'm not tracking right now. Uh, it's the build a plate method. So at every meal or as many meals as you can shoot for that half a plate of vegetables, palm size serving of protein, fist size serving of carbs and thumb size serving of fats. Um, that's a really great way to make sure you're getting a good mix of nutrient dense foods in, but also mixing in those fun foods too. So like sometimes your carbs might be um, brown rice, but other times it might be tater tots, uh, you know, with the burger that you're having for dinner or whatever that looks like. Um, so that's one way. Another way is just to start making those simple swaps. So if you're currently having like a 300 calorie latte for breakfast, could you switch to something a little bit less? So whether it's like black coffee and some creamer or, um, using, you know, plant-based milk instead of full fat milk in your latte, um, you know, switching from regular Coke to diet Coke, uh, just those like tiny swaps you can make in your life, um, are, are going to help too. I don't think people understand how much those simple swaps can truly impact their progress as well. I mean, 
For example, I love that you said like going from a Coke to a diet Coke. I don't think a lot of people look at beverages as having calories. They just look at it as liquid and water is liquid and water doesn't have calories. And I know I've run into my fair share of instances where I look at somebody's food lock and I'm like a car, like a venti caramel macchiato, like that's that's a lot of calories. And once I explain like, Hey, maybe you can switch that for maybe a lower calorie option at Starbucks, like a, you know, a venti Americano with a splash of cream and some sugar-free vanilla. And like, sometimes even those simple swaps of just beverage calories can help somebody lose body fat. Like, yeah, bad example. Cause this was when I was in college. So I was still in my uh, restrictive phase, but it worked. I, I switched from vodka Sprite to vodka soda and I started losing weight because, you know, I was in college, I was drinking a lot more than I do now. And those calories from a vodka Sprite was really adding up as opposed to using soda water, which was zero calories. Um, Like those things really do make a big difference. Yeah. I had a client that would drink a Red Bull every morning. And one simple swap was, hey, instead of having a regular Red Bull, let's have a sugar-free Red Bull. And instead of having, you know, a Dr. Pepper, let's have a Dr. Pepper Zero. And like within just a few weeks, all of a sudden, like they started to notice, oh, my clothes are fitting differently. This is strange. It's like, well, it, it, it adds up, like literally it adds up. So I love that you'd mentioned simple swaps and things like, you know, doing plain non-fat Greek yogurt instead of sour cream. Things like doing like a carb balance tortilla versus like a full tortilla. Not that there's anything wrong with like, you know, full carb tortillas, but also the texture is fantastic if you've ever had those. So that's awesome. Um, But something as simple as that, where, you know, a regular tortilla would be 120 calories and a low carb tortilla is 70. Something really, really small. And I think a lot of people don't understand the power of volume eating. So when you make those simple swaps and you're eliminating those calories, you do have a little bit of extra wiggle room to be able to add in things that are your fun foods, your, your sometimes foods. So I think there's a lot of power in that. And I'm so glad that, you know, you and I have that same like wavelength of the simple swaps and I, I love your build a plate method. I know Jordan Syatt uses like the three plates to snacks method. I, that sounds pretty similar. Now with your build a plate method, is it the same for men and women? Cause I've heard like varying and inf- like varying information on that. Like men should be like two palms. What are your thoughts on that? How do you address that? So to be honest, I primarily coach women um, and yeah. all the men I've coached do calorie count. Um, but I have had them um, just in terms of like eyeballing use the same. Um, And I found that usually it's fine um, just because, uh, you know, their portions tend to be larger than ours. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, that's a a great question too. I'm sure it could be like one and a half palms or something like that. Oh yeah. I actually, what's really interesting is like for a while there, I was coaching a lot of men, which was really cool. I was like, oh, this is different. Like this is very different coach quite a few men. So it's very, it's like, I wanted to ask, cause I know a couple of them listen to this podcast and I'm like, all right, I better, better get this info for them too. But, um, it's definitely different coaching men and women. That's for sure. Yeah. And I've, I've like coached men in the past. Um, but I think just because, you know, if you look at my social media breakdown, it's like 99% women on like both platforms. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's just the things that I tend to talk about, um, you know, I do talk a lot about 
weight loss or like building your booty or whatever. It's more like female centric things. A lot of it's like mindset. Um, but so yeah, I just, I've kind of mostly been coaching women for a while now. <laughs> Understandable. Well, and a lot of like personal training clients are women for the most part. So yeah. Totally understandable. All right, Brooke. So, so I just called you my, my name. I'm like, all right. (laughs) See, I heard it as Brooks. So (laughs) perfect. So for our listeners, just beginning their fitness journey, I think I already asked this. What advice would you give them right now? If they're listening to this podcast and they decide, you know what, today is the day that I changed my life. I would say because this is so individual, start small and start manageable and start with whatever that means for you. Uh, For some of you, that might mean four strength training workouts a week and jumping right into calorie counting. For others of you, that might mean a 10 minute walk every other day and trying to eat half a plate of vegetable at one meal. Um, So just like really assess your current situation and think about that long game because you can always add on but it's going to be much tougher to keep going if you feel completely overwhelmed. I agree. That's fantastic advice. Now, if you could go back to the beginning of when you first started your fitness journey, what advice would you have given yourself? So I have two. Uh, The first would be stop trying to be so restrictive. Um, That is like not the answer Uh, that just leads to overindulging later on. Um, But two, it would actually be to hire a coach um, because I just remember feeling so confused by all the information out there that I had like no idea who was credible and what was actually right. So I, I wish I had just saved myself all that time and headache and just hired someone to do all the guesswork for me. And I just had to like actually learn from them and execute on it. Those are fantastic tidbits that you would have given yourself. I keep on saying tidbit, like over the, like the past, <laughs> I just realized tidbits that. Tidbits and nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I just realized I'm like, I've been saying tidbits and nuggets. Like, and I think it's because I've been like with my son, like we're always like, I call him nugget. So that word always comes out of my mouth, but I'm like, I'm saying these words and I've never said them until this week. Like what's going on here? Um, Podcast theme. <laughs> exactly. The theme of the day is nuggets and tidbits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I like that you said that you would hire a coach. So do you have a simple tip for hiring a coach? What you would look for if you were a beginner? Yes. Yeah, so um, look for someone who seems genuine and actually focused on you. Um, so someone that asks you a lot of questions as they're onboarding you um, to really get a sense of like what your fitness journey has been to date. Um, also look for someone who uh, in their content or however you find them is not just focused on the scale um, find someone who really is kind of focused on like the big picture Um, if any coach is promoting one specific diet, whether it's like keto or whole 30 or whatever, maybe stay away from them. Um, and then, uh, in terms of like exercises too, I would really find a coach who's really focused in on form and keeping you safe. So someone who, um, you would feel confident that, um, they're going to tell you exactly how to do the exercises and then also that they're really paying attention to your form, um, instead of just like giving you a program and then like disappearing for the next four weeks. 
I agree. I unfortunately like that happens to a lot of people or people that are more what I've recognized is there are and not everybody like we you and I know some amazing coaches out there like we know some absolutely fantastic coaches and I always let people know as well, like make sure that they are not just results focused, especially when it comes to like body composition, because if you're always, and not that progress pictures are bad, but if you're noticing that a coach is posting a ton of like before and afters, you know, that, you know, depending on the circumstance can be a red flag. If that's all that coach is posting, I would be very curious as to what the method behind that would be. So just be aware if you're listening and you want to choose a coach to be aware of some of those things. So what are you like? I would, yeah, I would say I would try and find a coach who does talk a lot about uh, like habit building and, and the mindset behind all of this rather than just like, yeah, results, like you said, um, because that I feel like I've had clients come to me who their previous coaches, um, there was a lot of shame involved when they weren't able to, you know, stay really consistent. Um, and instead a good coach is going to, uh, be really supportive and help you understand why you're struggling to be consistent and actually help you fix it rather than just shaming it, shaming you for not being perfect. Yeah. Your coach should never be upset at you or like frustrated with you. Like our, our job as coaches is to help you troubleshoot issues and learn from, you know, the, the decisions that you're making, like that's, that's our job. And that's something I love to tell my clients is I'm never going to be angry or upset at you. Like the more knowledge that I have about what's going on, the better I can help you. So that is a really, really, I'm glad you brought that up because I, unfortunately that sometimes can be prominent in this industry is using shame as a tactic to get people motivated to change. And in the long run, that doesn't do any good except for like damaging someone's mindset. And that's, not good at all. So (laughs) yeah. All right, Brooks, are you ready for five rapid fire facts about you? Yes. Let's do it. Maybe never been like nervous. You're like, yeah, let's do it. Everybody's like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess we'll see how it turns out, but (laughs) It'll it'll be great. So you get 10 seconds to answer the questions. Are you ready for question number one? Yes. All right. What is your favorite food? Oh, pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unmatched. <laughs> what is your favorite exercise? Deadlift. Good choice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I've been really loving the deadlift. I've been seeing that on your Instagram story. You're smashing the deadlifts. I love it. Who or what inspires you? Uh, Honestly, I would say like all the other coaches in the mentorship, uh, you know, I think being an online coach, you don't really have coworkers um, and it can be, um, you know, kind of lonely, but having this like group of coaches that you see them crushing. So you're like, okay, wait, like I should be doing that too. Um, It's a good way to stay motivated, even when you don't have a boss or someone really holding you accountable. Yeah. And everybody's very supportive as well. Yes. Everybody wants to see you succeed. If there's none of this like competition or like envy or anything like that, that's one thing that I absolutely love about our fellow coaches and the mentorship is that everybody is so just authentic and genuine and want to see you succeed. So I love that answer. What is your favorite binge worthy TV show? 
Oh, okay. This one's tough. Um, <laughs> I secretly love trashy reality TV. So like I always watch The Bachelor. I just finished Love is Blind. <laughs> so any absolute embarrassing trash, I've probably seen it. <laughs> For you, did you watch like the Jersey Shore way back when? Oh yeah. Thursday, every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That is so awesome. I've heard really good things about Love is Blind, though. I have a couple of my clients that watch it and they're like, Brooke, you have to watch it. And, but I like to watch, like right now, I'm currently binge watching Ink Masters. And oh, I haven't heard of that. It's just a show about tattooing. Like it's a tattoo. Oh, nice. Okay. Tattoos. And like, it's, it's very similar. Like each week there's like a flash challenge and an elimination challenge. And they judge like the worst tattoos when like all of them are pretty much really good, but it's kind of like trashy TV, but I don't like to categorize it that way because I just don't want to bring myself to do it. <laughs> yeah. there. I mean, that sounds like chopped, but for tattoos, which oh is incredible. God. It totally is. <laughs> oh, that's great. Not trash at all. That's high. That's elite TV. <laughs> and then Brooks, what are you the most proud of? Uh, so actually quitting my job and um, taking my coaching business full time. Um, so I kind of left this out of my story, but it's actually almost been a full year. Um, but I was working nine to five um, in tech sales. I was leading a tech sales team um, and Sweat Simple was just like my passion project. Um, and yeah, about a year ago, I finally like took the leap and was like, I'm so much more fulfilled helping people and I would much rather do this for the rest of my life. Um, so took a chance on myself and yeah, here we are. It's been the best year of my life. <laughs> Looked back. I think I remember when you did that. Cause you've yeah. been- for about over a year now, right? Yeah. So I joined, um, like October of like 2020. Um, and that's when I, it was like still just like a passion project, but it was starting to kind of grow. And I was like, okay, how can I do this full time? Um, and then yeah, by March I was like, okay, let's do it. Oh, so it is like your, your anniversary. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. It's been um, like just way more fulfilling than I ever could have expected. So that's awesome. Well, Brooks, where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So I am sweat.simple um, on pretty much every platform. Um, so Instagram, TikTok, my website is sweat.simple.co.com. Um, but yeah. And do you have a YouTube or anything like that? Uh not really active on YouTube, um, but I do have um, a podcast. It's just called the Sweat Simple Podcast. So awesome. Well, I'll make sure to link all of those descriptions or link all of the descriptions. What am I talking about? <laughs> See, this, I need that dill pickle salad. Yeah. <laughs> Brain's getting foggy. I will link all of your, uh, the places where people can find you in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today, Brooks. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Yes. I will talk to you soon. Bye, Brooke. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Donuts and Dumbbells podcast. It's always a pleasure to have amazing coaches like Brooks on, and I hope you are able to get some valuable information from her simple tips. All of her links are in the show notes, and I will talk to you soon.
Have a great day.